get it up today. Okay. All right, well, good morning, everybody. Um, I, I look forward, or actually, I, I'm glad to see everybody this morning. Um, for those of you that don't know us, and I think some of you are familiar, but my name is Kelly Phillips, and that was Ryan Ellis. We're both from TechConnex, and TechConnex is a, a not-for-profit association. We're really focused on um, helping organizations grow and be a support community. We're really about sharing best practices, ideas, and having the opportunity to learn from one another. So with that, we actually have one of our members, uh, Ify Zhao here from Altex Academy, and she's the operations director there. And Altex, and, and Ify can probably give you a little bit more about it, but uh, they are actually a drone training academy. And what's interesting is they do everything, both not just in person, but there's a lot of online training that actually has to go along with it. So with that, I, I had a great opportunity to go into Ify's studio there, her office where she is right now, and, and tour around and talk kind of about what they do. And they've come up with a whole program based on people's uh, attention span and being able to move from place to place. So I thought that was really interesting. And from there, if he's been on a few calls and she said, you know what, I think with all of us being online nowadays, this is gonna be a pertinent topic. So she offered to run the uh, Zoom and webinar best practices session for us. I don't know if uh, maybe what we do is typically when we're in a peer group, we do go around the room really quickly and just introduce ourselves. So if everybody can go around, I can see on the screen, so I'll just call your name out, but if you can introduce yourself and then we'll come back to you if you, so I'll start with you, Peter. So my name is Peter Miller, I'm co- Okay, and Ify, I'm gonna pass it over to you. Perfect, um, I'm actually going to bring up my PowerPoint too, and uh, after introduction, I'll just uh, get right started with the content. Starting the slideshow, there we go. And just gonna share my screen here so everyone can see. Uh, Kelly, you may have to just allow me to share the screen. Okay, yeah, all good. All right. Someone let me know the screen is up, PowerPoint is up. Perfect. Okay, hi everyone. My name is Yifei, Yifei Zhao from uh, Altex Academy. Um, I'm gonna cut my introduction short just so we can focus a little more on the webinar content. So our background before starting Altex Academy, I actually came from uh, film production. I uh, used to work for one of the largest uh, TV and commercial production companies in Toronto. And uh, my husband, who runs our technical side, was a cinematographer, so what we call technical shooters. So he gets to deal with all the filming equipment. And back in 2010 um, is when we decided that uh, drones was the technology and was the camera we wanted to use uh, to have a flying camera to film different angles. So that's how we got into a drone for film production. And a, one thing led to another, Hamburg College came to us wanting to build some training programs uh, to teach film people how to use drones. So that's how we started in the training sector. And uh, to our surprise, the students that came through the program mostly actually are not from film. 
uh, we've trained Toronto police, we've trained the um, city of Ottawa, we've trained uh, multiple different survey and aggregate companies, Lafarge, Deferring, and they're all using drones for um, improvement of their current workflow to deliver better results. So right now we are a government compliant training facility. We're authorized to train and also conduct the flight test to certify uh, drone pilots on behalf of Transport Canada. Now the development for us in last couple of years has been uh, basically moving to online training and also moving towards online marketing. So once we moved uh, all our theory courses to a online, we call it the learning management system. That's what uh, Kelly actually um, saw when she came visited us. I showed a little demo. So I think that one is probably going to be for uh, a different time uh, to introduce a little more on the online learning technology side. So what happened with online learning is um, we're using a big online learning platform that manages user data and provides interactive learning. And webinar is a big component of online learning. So we wanted students to have the opportunity to learn some fundamental knowledge on their own and also have the opportunity to interact with instructors and other students through the online interactive webinars. So webinar has always been a major part of our online learning component. And last year after our uh, new platform update um, and after majority of our training products have moved to online and now become more of the public front. Um, we've also incorporated webinar to run more effective marketing. So this is what I'd like to share with everyone today on things we've learned uh, running online webinars. And I'd like to keep the session interactive. So if anyone has any questions, feel free to interrupt me. Um, I'm going to try to keep my presentation to about 20 minutes so that we can actually get more into a Q&A to help you answer any questions you have. Okay, now the first thing I would like to talk about is why we actually chose running webinars versus the traditional classroom learning or in-person seminars or any type of in-person marketing or sales sessions. So really uh, for us, there were three main reasons, audience size, engagement, and analytics. Now from audience size perspective for us, especially when we initially were doing all the in-person classroom training, the challenge, especially when you're training working professionals, right? We don't train um, full-time, basically full-time college or university students. Our target is working professionals skills training. So the challenge is imagine when we were training a whole police department, trying to get them to go through a 20 hour in-person course, you know, scheduling is basically a, it's a nightmare. You can never get a schedule that works for everyone. And there's always someone who gets called away for emergency. So we started using webinar actually very early back in 2015 uh, to coordinate for this type of situations. When you're using webinar, you're no longer restricted to the location. So your students or audience aren't planning to travel to your location to spend that time, right? So that really helps you to actually draw a bigger audience size. Now also for geography, when we were running in-classroom training, you're looking at your targeted market size is basically a certain radius within that location. Now, when you're running webinar, technically speaking, you're open to a much larger audience. It's anywhere in the world that people can have um, access to internet. They can join you through webinar. 
And that also relates to accessibility, right? So same thing related to location is people can actually join your webinar from anywhere. Um, even sometimes if people get uh, you know, into a rush situation, they're running late, or if they had any family or work emergency, uh, having a webinar not, not needing to travel definitely provides more accessibility. And the last one is also availability. With the webinar, you can actually record the webinar and make it available after, especially if you're running some kind of marketing or sales type of webinar. The practice, the normal practice now is the webinar is recorded, it's made available uh, through a blog or resources section on your website. And you can also send the link to basically through um, MailChimp or under emailing, email, mailing list distribution that you are using. So really from audience size, you're open up to a lot more geographical locations you're opening up accessibility and availability. So, and for also for us at the beginning of time, as I mentioned, this solved us, you know, solved the major challenge for us, which is scheduling with, uh, with clients, with our students. So this way, if they can't make it to a certain scheduled webinar, they can go back to watch the recorded one after. Or someone says, you know, I missed certain parts of the information or I didn't understand certain sections. Now they can actually go back to review that part as well. Next section we have is engagement. So this is a major challenge, especially before COVID. This was one of the main things that was difficult to convince people to run webinar, um, especially for people who are used to in-classroom training. So our, our online courses were actually licensed with uh, several colleges. They basically uh, license our learning content to incorporate into their uh, classroom learning. And one of the challenges to get instructors to use online learning is always they say, well, you know what, there's no interaction with the students. There's no face-to-face -face interaction. Uh, it's hard to engage them and I don't like to use webinar. Actually, that's the, um, without the technology support, that's true. But right now with the technology support, you actually find different levels of engagement. They're not the same as the in-person engagement, obviously, um, but the level of engagement is actually there. And at some level, if you actually get used to it, or when you get used to it, you'll find that the level of engagement may actually be more effective than the in-person. So some examples, first with technology. Uh, so a couple of things I like to mention is when we run webinars. So webinar, in the way, any online interaction in a way, it's almost like communication, right? When you look at the in-person session, whether it's training, whether it's a seminar, whether it's a sales session, when you're running it in person, you have the eye contact. So in terms of communication, you're getting feedback. So communication always goes both ways. The challenge when you're running a webinar is it's difficult to know what's the feedback from the audience. When we just started running webinars, when I had to switch from in-class teaching to teaching online, the first challenge I had was, was feeling like you know a stand-up comedian facing a, a silent audience. And you tell the joke, you know, first you make sure your students are muted because you don't want interference. And then you tell the joke in the class and you don't even know if someone's laughing or not. We were even considering to incorporate those uh, you know, laugh tracks from, uh, from sitcoms to just make it a little more interactive for the, for the instructor. Uh, that didn't really work out. So at, at the end of the day, you know, it, it is communication. Communication goes both ways. So really um, make sure that um, as an instructor, you understand that. So your level of uh, uh, 
expectation, you can manage that. And also for your students or for your audience, making sure that they know what to expect is also important because when you're in person, people can see that you're preparing things, you're getting set up. Um, but really when you are running this by yourself, a lot of times, you know, students don't know what's going on or your audience don't know what's going on, when to get started, are you taking a break? So one of the things we use is we put on a timer always uh, before we actually start off a webinar. So we would actually say, okay, it's 10 minutes, count down before we actually start running it. We put on the timer. If we go for a break, we come back and uh, set the timer again. If we say we're taking a five minutes break, we put on a timer that runs for five minutes. So if someone who you know just joins in the middle of the webinar or uh, at the beginning, at least they look at the timer, they have certain level of anticipation. They know when you're getting started. So, cause sometimes people don't hear anything, don't see anything. Uh, they worry if the webinar is running or not. Effie, sorry, quick question. Is yep. there an app or how do you actually run the, um, the timer? timer itself? Uh, yeah. yeah, you can find, I mean, this one is just online called free timer. Okay. And on different devices, they all have different types of timer. At the beginning of time, we were, I mean, the easiest one you can use, it's simply uh, go to Google and just type timer. And you can just start right here. You can maximize the screen. Okay. Yeah, so there are all different types. So you can even run paid ones that has your logo, your branding and everything. So you can really, you know, play with it, any app that works for you. Okay. Now, next in terms of engagement is content. And this is also related to running um, any kind of online session. Now, when you are in person, the audience is a lot more forgiving if you don't prepare your PPT or your presentation properly, because there is certain level of in-person engagement. You know, your character, your energy, everything drives the attention a lot more. But when you're running online, keep in mind that there isn't that in-person level. So you do have to utilize technology and other things to make basically that online engagement. And part of that is using content. Um, content doesn't have to be always, you know, professionally laid out PowerPoint, doesn't always have to be all the video and audio uh, material, you know, pictures or videos that's in your PowerPoint. One thing to keep in mind when you're building your presentation or content uh, for online presentation is you want to use more visual. So don't do bulletin points, you know, whole page of bulletin points. That's the first thing I tell people. And unfortunately, a lot of online presentations, that's what people still use. You know, it's really, it's a full page of bulletin points. So what you want to do is try to use visual driven material. Now, bulletin points, if you like a reminder for yourself, what you can do is when you're actually running webinars, um, are you able to see this screen I just brought up from my PowerPoint? Okay, so yeah. this basically is your presenter mode, right? So when you're running PPT uh, and you go into um, presenting your slide or starting the, the presentation, you basically have your presenter mode and then you have what the viewers are seeing. So in your presenter mode, you can add in notes. So if things you like to remind yourself, next slide was coming up for content, you can actually use this to remind yourself. But keep in mind what you see and what the audience sees should be different. So what the audience sees should be engaging. You know, it can be just a stock picture that you draw that kind of represents the topic or the point you're trying to make, but regardless, it's trying to make it 
visual, trying to make it strict to the point versus listing out the actual uh, sentences or words that you are speaking. Especially right now with uh, so many people going mobile, imagine if you are actually having a full screen of bulletin points and someone's trying to join through, you know, the phone through Zoom and trying to read those points, definitely it makes the, the engagement uh, a lot less active for the audience. So that's content. And really the last one in terms of engagement is practice, practice, practice makes perfect. Um, it took me about six months to get used to teaching online versus teaching in person. It is a process that you have to go through. It's definitely not a overnight process. You know, even just sometimes get used to talking to your phone, turn on the camera on your phone, just talk to yourself a little bit. Uh, what I find is important is your beginning, so your intro, your transition, and the ending, those are super important points. And at the beginning of time, you can write this down, right? Write a few sentences in your PowerPoint notes to remind yourself or just practice a few lines by yourself on your introduction, your transitional lines and, uh, and your closure lines. Those are what really makes it important for you as a presenter because they really get you into that, um, that mentality of running that webinar. People usually stumble if they don't prepare well for their introduction. Um, and if they don't prepare well for the introduction, if they stumble, they get a little bit stressed and it affects basically the whole, you know, session that they're running. So practice definitely makes perfect. Now analytics. So with online, especially last year when we started actually using webinars to run more for marketing, for driving leads, for doing more conversion, um, we discovered the analytics part is really a big part of using webinars today. Uh, I don't know if anyone has been on any of webinars that's run by tech companies, um, but you will see that um, they basically do quite a bit of uh, data mining online before actually you know, promoting their webinars. So getting the information to their audiences and then afterwards, um, sending out follow-up, right? Sending out um, uh, their email releases, sending out follow-up, sending out future webinars, uh, or doing product releases online, doing information about, about their services. Those are all different marketing techniques right now with uh, running webinars. So it's definitely great too for marketing. Um, I'm going to show, so there's the marketing front. First is getting the information to your audience. And then there's the reporting front, which basically is using the webinar to basically draw your audience behavior, how they actually interacted with you online, what they actually did in your webinar. And then also the last one is conversion, right? Once you draw the leads and then you have to convert them from the lead to account. So that's on the analytics part. Uh, now what I'd like to do is just quickly talk about a few um, preparation points regarding or best practice regarding running the webinar. And uh, then I'm going to show a uh, case study. So I'm actually going to share with you a recent webinar we run um, re using the best practices we're discussing. So obviously the first thing you want to check is choosing the app. Um, we use Zoom. One is we're not a public entity, so we don't have to worry about security, obviously. So for us, Zoom seemed to be the best option. Uh, we were considering, so we did testing for the other webinars uh, a couple of years ago when we were considering switching. 
So we tested WebEx, we tested GoToMeeting, we tested Google Hangout. Uh, for various reasons, we didn't go for them. I mean, WebEx, I get to use them all the time, anytime I'm on the, um, uh, a government type of webinar. So usability, you know, I, I can't stand at WebEx after using Zoom. I just find usability is, is really terrible, especially from a presenter perspective. To control the crowd makes it really difficult. GoToMeeting, it's a brand. There's GoToMeeting, there's GoToTraining, they have various products. Um, the problem with GoToMeeting we found was because the server, um, it's this, this was a US-based company, right? So when uh, we run the service in Canada, we tested a couple of times. I'm not sure if just because we're in Canada, the servers worked differently. We actually had two service outages within one month. So reliability definitely just wasn't there. So that didn't work for us. I know on the US side, they never reported service outages, but unfortunately uh, here in Canada, we had service outages. So that didn't work for us. Google Hangout obviously is for free. And anytime you know, I'm trying to send a Google Calendar, it's always trying to put itself there. Uh, again, from usability perspective, we just didn't enjoy using the app. And also because we actually, what you're looking at, this is actually a 4K camera. So when we do our webinars, when we do our recordings, we actually do 4K quality. Um, so when we use Google Hangout and WebEx and looking at our video, you know, high quality video getting pixelated online, it just, uh, we did like the quality of the videos as well. So that's why we picked Zoom. And there are other technical reasons I'll also share with you uh, about Zoom. Now on the technical side, uh, make sure you understand the controls of your app. So go through, you know, when you can actually start just your own uh, Zoom meeting, especially if you have a paid version. There are actually a lot of different functionalities in there. So make sure you go through them, understand the functions, how to share your screen, how to record your screen, how to record on your computer, how to record on the cloud, uh, how to start auto recording because, you know, there were times that I forgot to record the press the record button. So I always go with auto recording after that. You can also set up polls or Q&As to engage with your audience using Zoom, which I find it's super useful if you're running marketing type of webinars. Get your audience engaged. Answer a quick question, you know, once you finish one section of your webinar and get them to answer another one, get them to do, you know, a quality feedback at the end of the webinar. You can do all of that on Zoom. And you can actually share. So when we do polls using Zoom, we can actually share the result to the audience right away. So when we take a break, we typically put up a poll question, you know, asking them as simple as where you're from or what are you looking to use drones for? Uh, which industry are you from? And let's say if we had 100 people attending, we can right away share the uh, response to them to say 80% of people are, let's say, from Canada, you know, 20% are in the construction business. So it really makes that audience engagement a lot better. Now, Webinar versus meeting. So this is the one thing a lot of people don't know. Using Zoom, there are two functions. There's the webinar, and then there's the Zoom webinar, and then there's the Zoom meeting, basically. So the main difference with the Zoom webinar and Zoom meeting is that webinar is more for sales, and meeting is for meeting. So with webinar, if you have a larger audience, especially if you're doing marketing with a much larger audience, webinar is definitely the way to go. So one of the main features of a webinar is uh, if we look at the Zoom, let's say if everyone looks at your Zoom control right now, 
you can see we have 14 participants. You can see everyone's name, right? And everyone can unmute themselves. They can turn on their video as they feel throughout the, the webinar or throughout the online meeting. So this is great when you have a small meeting or you want people just to jump in to discuss, to get to know each other right away. But if you're running a marketing session and uh, your clients may be competitors to each other, right? And you don't want them to know who each other is, number one. Number two is, um, can't tell you how many times I've been on a large government webinars through WebEx and uh, someone always don't mute themselves or someone is calling in versus, you know, being online and they can't see the controls. They don't even know if they're muted or not. Um, and someone, you know, goes to flash the washroom. Uh, someone's doorbell runs, you know, dog barks. When you have 200 people on the, on the call, it, it really makes it difficult. The whole time the user experience is just terrible. But when you run webinar, you can restrict all of that. And what you can do with Zoom webinar is um, it's almost like imagine you're in the auditorium, right? So the way Zoom webinar works is you have what's called a panelist. So panelists are just like people who sit on a panel in the auditorium. They have the same functions as the regular Zoom meeting. And then you have what's called participants. So they're your audience sitting in the auditorium. They can't speak unless being called to, unless being allowed to do so. Um, you can limit their interaction level. They can't see each other. They don't know what the other audience are. So it makes great for when you're running marketing or any type of large webinars. You can still do engagement with your audience. You can still use Q&A. They can raise their hand. They can post questions on the board. You can share the question answers with everyone. You can still engage them really well. Just looking at it as a virtual auditorium. That's exactly how Zoom webinar works. And we love it for running you know, marketing sessions. It's, it's a really great tool for, web, uh, for running marketing sessions. And especially if you're new, sometimes your audience may be really small, right? If you're just getting started, your audience may be three, four people, and you don't want it to look like really small audience. So having that ability that they don't see each other, you know, really makes it uh, great for you. Like, let's say if you're running more of a webinar that's towards um, releasing a recorded one after, so you want to have limited amount of people participating. That's also what you can do through Zoom webinar. It's an add-on through Zoom for, uh, I believe, $50 a month uh, for less than 100 participants. And uh, it, the, the, basically the amount increases from there. You can get up to even 1,000 participants if you choose to. So it's a great service. Now, last one on the technical part is setup. So obviously you can see we have kind of a professional setup here. Uh, this is when we provide webinar service for our clients, especially um, we do this for a lot of organizations that are running monthly webinars for their members or for their uh, audience right now. So when we run this, we provide the moderators. So I've actually got two monitors here, which I definitely recommend if you are the, if you are the host for a webinar, having dual monitors is definitely a great help. So you have your presentation on one monitor, that's where your audience sees. And then you have your notes, you have your uh, participants list, you have all the other information on the other monitor that your audience don't have to look at. So technical setup is definitely important. First is you wanna make sure you're comfortable. You have adequate space here. You have enough information to run the webinar so you don't get um, swamped, you don't get overwhelmed with all the different windows that you actually have open. 
Now, two is you don't have to have a professional audiovisual setup like what we do. So if you don't have professional camera, keep in mind when you're running webinars, audio is always more important than your video. People are always more forgiving, you know, if your video is a little pixelated or even if you had a bad hair day, you want to turn off your video, that's fine as long as you have good, clear audio. And if you don't have professional microphones, you know, at least get um, a separate, um, you know, conferencing camera with microphone versus then the one you have built into your laptop or just get AirPods. You know, AirPods are actually great quality for just running your day-to-day, -day, you know, online meetings or webinars. Uh, check your room because if your room is empty, if you're at home, your room's walls are actually empty. It's going to create a much bigger echo, which really cuts down to the sound quality. Uh, so that's why using, you know, whether headsets or using uh, close proximity microphones, they definitely help. Even just spend, uh, you find even just a hundred dollars on, you know, a microphone, it really improves your whole online experience substantially. And let's say if you're actually running sales sessions, it really makes your, your whole quality of the online webinar stand out. Now, the other part of the setup is check your internet. And if you have the ability to hardware into the internet, internet connection, my recommendation is always don't use the Wi-Fi connection. If you're able to use the hardware, you know, make sure your hardware connected through the internet and just check the internet speed, all right? You can do the Rogers internet speed check or any, you know, just Google internet speed check on Google and uh, you can find all different levels. Just check your internet speed. Make sure that you, you've got really good internet speed because the challenge with everyone working from home today is if you got a family, if you got kids, you know, you got uh, family members, what people realize is it really cuts down on their Wi-Fi bandwidth or even their network bandwidth. They don't realize when their kids actually doing uh, online school and uh, when someone's watching YouTube, when someone's watching Netflix, and then when you're trying to run, you know, online webinar really cuts in on your internet speed. So definitely make sure check your speed uh, for internet connectivity. Now, content design, we've already discussed this a little earlier, so I won't get into the details. Uh, as I mentioned, just make sure it's visual, it's engaging. If you don't know how to design PPT, you know, which I, I don't really design PPT, there are tons of tons of good templates online. The one we use is uh, called EnviroMarket. Uh, so we get majority of our design templates from there. I really believe in work smart, don't work hard. <laughs> I don't have to be a designer, but you know, I can go in, I can search for different types of templates Am I doing, you know, financial type? Am I doing business? Am I doing, uh, you know, creative presentation or pitch? They've got various templates that's already got animation built in, uh, which really makes your presentation pop out. All you have to do is just populate your content, you know, based on what's already given, right? Marketing. So have a mailing list. Uh, how to market? Obviously, if you want to run the webinar for marketing purpose, first thing you want to do is get it out there. Get people to actually come attend your webinar. So send it to your mailing list, utilize social media, and if you're a little more um, savvy on the marketing side, you know, do your data mining, find your targeted locations, targeted industry, targeted physicians, your targeted audience, and get your information out there. Our general recommendation is run the marketing campaign at least two to three weeks before you run the webinar. Uh, if it's too early, people don't plan that much ahead. If it's too late, then you don't get the, the same uh, engagement. You don't get the same you know, type of data coming in or audience coming into your webinars. 
And the last one is analytics, which uh, I will actually share analytics through um, the case study. So really analytics is you can get attendees report. You can monitor their attentiveness score, which is um, an algorithm that's rated by Zoom. You can uh, use the analytics to run quality assurance. You know, we do this for, let's say, our instructors. You know, we, we check their um, Zoom analytics report to see what's the level of student engagement to find out if uh, their content was actually engaging, if students were actually happy with, uh, with the class. Um, and also to do account conversion. So obviously you can connect this. I don't know if anyone used Zapier, uh, but we recently discovered Zapier and I'm loving it. So you can actually connect uh, different levels of your report through Zapier, which is automation. Um, so I can define, you know, I can use basically my Zoom reporting to connect with, let's say, my MailChimp. So I can say if, um, if my audience attentiveness score is more than 80%, I want to send them an email through MailChimp about my products and want to schedule a call with them to go through the sales funnel. So that's everything you can set up through Zapier. So based on one information you have and uh, you know, to basically connect to, uh, to automate through another app to have an action, that's what you can do through Zapier. So that's all the things you can do through analytics. Ify, sorry, can you just explain um, maybe how you connect that? Because you're talking about connecting it through a Zoom meeting. So um, Zoom meeting, yeah. So you basically you draw a report from Zoom after you run the Zoom meeting or webinar. And then that reports data, you can push that through Zapier. And Zapier okay. takes that data to go conduct an action that you tell it to. So basically Zapier is your is your API to a degree, right? So you don't have to take the API, API to write, you know, the coding, to write um, a plugin or an app to go do something. Zapier does that automatically. So any app that's already on Zapier, you can connect the two together. So one data or one action from one app can trigger the action from another app or even multiple apps. So the last one, what I'll do is just to show everyone um, a case study. So this was a webinar we run recently with uh, a drone survey equipment manufacturer. So what they do is they provide the drone equipment in collaboration with the survey equipment to provide um, precision survey, construction progress monitoring, uh, inventory count for aggregates, which, you know, right now with the aggregates, so let's say take Lafarge, for example, for them to do inventory count, now they just fly a drone on their site. And within two hours, they know the volume, the volume metrics of their stockpile versus before they actually have to climb the stockpile to do the calculation, which makes it challenging. So this is a webinar we run um, for the drone survey equipment company to help people understand how to improve their um, workflow and, uh, and efficiency using uh, drone technology. So what we did is we did a one-week social media promotion, we did targeted LinkedIn promotion, uh, we generated reports, and we did uh, our newsletter, and then we also ran some analytics. So let me share with everyone uh, basically a general overview of the process, and then we'll get into Q&A. So first thing I'd like to share is um, on the webinar presentation. So this is the recorded webinar we've basically released after. Uh, it's an hour webinar. 
And uh, as you can see, we do this for our clients, for people who don't just run webinar on a regular basis. Uh, we help them to even design their PPT and make sure everything looks presentable. We host the videos for them and uh, the platform we use is Vimeo, which is um, a typically professional use the video hosting platform because there's security embedded. So you can actually restrict which domain you want to play the videos on. You can restrict what people do with your videos. You can restrict copyright and, and all of that, which is great uh, if you have information you need to protect. So uh, this is what we do when we release the recorded version. As you can see, we don't just take the Zoom recording. So this is why I, I say, you know, sometimes running large sales webinars, uh, you do need um, professional help. So we actually have a separate screen recording app we use when we record webinars. The Zoom one we only use for backup because of the quality. So we record separately on the screen, and then what we can do is we can take and plug in videos. So in this case, the person who was actually presenting from the survey company, he got called to a job on site. So he couldn't make it back to his office to join the webinar. So he couldn't join through video because of the connectivity. Uh, so what we did for the recorded version is you simply just take a person's picture and you can plug it in or you can plug in your recorded video there. And when you design the PPT, make sure you leave the room to put your video there so that it's not blocking the content of your actual PPT. So those are all different things to basically plan ahead of time. Um, and when you record the screen, like when we record the screen separately, you have much better clarity and quality. You have a lot more control basically on what you want to show and how you want to show on the screen. So this is the recorded version we basically share with, uh, with clients and with the audience after. And as you can see, this is what I mean by visual driven, right? Instead of just doing bulletin points, you know, mission planning, flight data or a flight or data capture, it looks boring. But if you just get some vector icons, which are really easy to find online, it just makes everything a lot more visually driven. Okay, the next one we have is, I want to show everyone the actual um, reports we run. So on um, Zoom, how does your report actually look like? Okay, so this was a large professional level uh, webinar we run. So we can see on the top in the summary section, we have the time, which is May that we run the webinar. We have the actual duration, how many minutes, we have the number of people who registered, and we have a number of uh, unique viewers, and we have total users who actually uh, participated in the webinar. So the difference between these two is you may have 34 attendees on the webinar, um, but actually Zoom does the algorithm, it checks the IP address, or I don't know the exact backend of it, so they find who's the actual unique viewers, because it could be one person uh, joining through two different devices. So here, I, this is a cleaned up version. So Zoom webinars report is more a CSV. And as you know, CSV's um, presentation isn't that great. So we always clean up the data to make it a little more uh, user friendly. Uh, so these are basically people uh, through marketing campaign um, that were drawn to the webinar. So you have their registration time. You can see when they registered, you can see when they joined, you can see even when they leave the webinar, uh, the total time in session, and the attentiveness score. So this is one of the key uh, performance factors we use for the attentiveness score. So 
again, I don't know the, the exact backend of Zoom, but there are certain levels that Zoom does on the algorithm calculation. So for example, and this is especially important, let's say we have some government level courses um, that it requires attendees, right? Requires attendee score. And one of the challenges the government um, uh, was, was basically asking us to help them resolve is someone can just turn on the webinar and they can just walk away. They can just leave the screen the way it is, or they can be working on other things on their computer when they're going through the webinar. So how do you ensure the attendee who's, who says they were there online actually was there online if they don't turn on their video, right? So attentiveness score is actually a good technical way of measuring certain level of that. So what Zoom does is if you left the screen on and you walk away and you don't do anything with it, that actually cuts down your attentiveness score. Especially during the webinar, if you run poll, if you run Q&A and you see there's no interaction from the person whatsoever. So that basically cuts down your attentiveness score. Or I'm not sure if anyone noticed when you're actually on a Zoom meeting um, and if you click on the attendees, uh, sometimes you can see there's a little clock icon in front of the person's name. Has anyone ever noticed that? No? So that's actually Zoom's way of telling you that person is awake. Although they're actually in the webinar, but they have other apps, let's say, overlaying on the Zoom webinar they're actually running. They could be going to play games. They could be opening up their browser, browser surfing internet instead of paying attention to the webinar. So Zoom actually can monitor your computer screen or even your phone screen. Let's say if someone joined through the phone and they just let it run in the background, they just turn, you know, turn off the screen or you know, overlay other apps, Zoom actually cuts down the attentiveness score based on that. So attentiveness score is a huge performance factor for us when we run the uh, reporting from Zoom. Uh, so this helps us to understand, let's say we can see this, uh, someone was actually only having a 4.5%. So that's a really low attentiveness score. Uh, and then there's 12, 14, and it goes all the way up. So this one is based on the average score and based on how many people actually had 100% attentiveness score. This was a very successful webinar in terms of content engagement because majority of the audience was actually you know, more than 70% of attentive, attentiveness score on the webinar. And this will usually run also in collaboration of the, the time in session, right? Because it could be 100%, but they were only spending four minutes there. So we can see for under 10 minutes, we only have um, six people out of you know, the, the 26 unique viewers who spent less than 10 minutes because they could be 100%, but they didn't spend much time in the webinar. So you can basically analyze both sets of data to understand how well your webinar was actually run, how engaging, how much time people actually spent on it. And then from marketing perspective, we can also take just a quick Look, so for example, this is meant for construction company. So we have, you know, Alice Dawn, which is obviously a large construction company. We have Agcos, we have Salt.ca, we, um, we have some major players that basically attended. We have Humber College, we have Canada, which is the federal government that's actually the um, provincial park side. Uh, we have architecture companies. So these are different things you can basically identify, right? This gives you all the actual backend data of your users who actually attended your webinar. You can see if they're actually related to the audience you want to draw. 
and how much time they actually spend, of whether or not they're actually interested. So you can use the performance factors, you can use who they are to basically send automation information. So now I can, you know, select the ones I believe who's going to become, who's basically good for um, conversion, for lead to account conversion. And I can start uh, basically pumping out our uh, MailChimp and start sending them through our sales funnel. So the other report I just want to quickly show before we get into Q&A. This is the uh, Q&A report. So you can also, as I mentioned, if you run the webinar and have people just attending as um, attendees, so they can actually post questions. So you can also run Q&A report. So these are list of questions people actually posted through the webinar. Uh, you can have who asked, the name, email, and you can also choose was this question actually answered live or um, it wasn't answered or was it actually not answered at all for you know, whatever reason. So you can use this to monitor, let's say if you have staff member, marketing department running webinars, you can also monitor were they actually addressing the audience questions or what type of questions people tend to ask during the webinar. Uh, you can also run the poll report. So as I mentioned, if you build your own poll through the webinar, you can also run the poll reporting to see, you know, why is quality assurance? Did people actually rate how people rated the webinar quality? Two is um, a lot of organizations, when we run webinar for them, what they do is they put into the, the poll to ask their audience what uh, topic would interest you so that they can actually take that topic back to see what future webinars they should actually be running. So you can ask all sorts of questions in post during the webinar as well. All right, so that's everything I have here. Uh, I'll open up the floor to anyone with questions. Hi, Effie, sorry, um, kind of going through here and I was wondering the same thing, but Jennifer had asked kind of what type of report do you, do you run? And then we're kind of looking through in the back end here. It seems like Denis was just finding that that actually has been removed now because of privacy issues, that, op uh, that so, option. Do you yeah, know anything about that? Yeah, and, and just want to make sure, does everyone have a paid Zoom account? Well, and, and that's the thing is, so that's the difference. Is it between having like a meeting account or a webinar account as well, correct? Oh, uh, you can run for meeting and webinar. I'm just double checking here for our previous meetings. Uh, I'm just gonna select the date here. Okay, I'm just gonna go into our webinar settings. There's usage, there we go, webinar, and uh, registration. Okay. So are you can, running the report? Can everyone, are you running the registration report? Yeah, so can everyone see my, no, wait, let me share my screen. Okay, are you able to see my screen right now? Yeah. Okay, so I'm under reports and uh, I'm under webinar. So we have registration report, we have attendee report, performance report, Q&A or poll report. So you can select different types of report you want to run here. And let's see if I go back, see under this account. This is my personal account, so probably doesn't have that many reports. Yeah, so we can see there's one here. Um, 
This is from April and we have the registration number and we have all the reporting data here. So I, I believe this disappears after a certain time because we've been running webinars for clients for the past, uh, you know, several times a month for the past few months. And uh, I know my, my um, admin department, they draw the report every time after the webinar. So we have definitely the reporting available. And then Jennifer, did you just have a question? I think it was. Um, it, well, I was just asking, I was, because there are so many report options to choose from, I was curious which report showed the attentiveness, but I have a paid webinar account, but it's like a lower level, like it's a lower tier. We only have a hundred attendee limit. And I you just- You should still be able to draw the report. Yes, um, I can draw the report, that is correct, but there isn't an attentiveness score in it. So that's why I was asking, because I was looking at all our report options and I couldn't find the attentiveness and, and um, even in a, even Even in attendee report? Yes. Okay, let me just see. So I don't know if that's a feature that's available on like a higher level or... Uh, let me just quickly see this. I could even be going back to uh, Denny, you had found on there actually mm. saying that it's been removed. Yeah, it's interesting. So this one is not showing here, but I know, um, I wonder if this is just removed after a certain time, because I know when our admin ran the report after, right after we finished the webinar, uh, we had the attentiveness score there. So this is definitely something I will look into for Zoom and I'll keep everyone posted. I'll let you know, Kelly, and maybe we can get okay. everyone up. Yeah, I'll, I'll, send in, I'll send something yeah. out to everybody. Yeah, that's yeah. perfect. Because we, our, our usual practice is when we run this for clients, we draw the report um, basically on the same day and that attentiveness score is there. So I wonder if they just remove it after a certain time. Now, is this also only available if you set up the registration through Zoom? Because I know there is that option. We don't end up using that. But yeah, that it, we haven't we haven't tested, but we do okay. use uh, Zoom's registration page. So when we do, let's say, social media, all the links go to the Zoom registration page. Okay, I'm gonna see if I can copy this that Denny sent, and then when I send everything out to everybody, um, we'll go through. Yeah, it says as of April 2nd, we have removed the attendee attention tracker feature. So this is interesting because when we run the report, we were actually still able to see it. Um, but after a certain time, we can no longer see it. Okay, so there is also other apps that you can basically keep track of it that works with Zoom. So it's not only Zoom that can basically run the attentiveness score. So when we, um, because we have the online learning, man learning management system, so we do use other apps that monitors the student uh, progress and student actions as well. Okay, any other questions? Yeah, I'll take a look at the chat. See One thing I was going to actually say, uh, if he was um, talking about microphone quality, because um, we do a podcast as well here at TechNex and uh, Amazon.ca or Amazon.com has a plethora of amazing uh, microphones uh, and accessories. And uh, we picked up uh, the, uh, the Blue Snowball. I think we got it for under $50. Mm -hmm. and, that, and, and it's phenomenal. Um, little microphone for doing podcasts or any recordings for video or 
presentation. So Amazon definitely has a lot of amazing uh, microphones and setups uh, for uh, recording purposes. Uh, so there was a question about which LMS we use. Uh, so we actually just did a system upgrade to switch to talent LMS. But what we do is we have LMS that host the users and the content, but we actually do our content production separately um, because our content, our learning content are SCORM compliant. So I'm not sure if people are familiar with the college and university format. So basically with SCORM compliance, um, you get to one is it's uh, all, it's compatible with majority of the learning management systems. So it's basically a quick drop and plug in. You can plug it into any LMS. Two, it's SCORM compliance. It's basically a way, it's another way of monitoring your student progress and student actions. So with the SCORM compliance content, you can draw all types of report, right? So attentiveness score on Zoom, it's just really, it's just a small piece of it. So with um, the SCORM compliance, we can monitor what students had actually done on our platform. We can monitor how well they performed in each quiz, which chapter, which module, how much time they actually spent on them, how many times they've actually accessed it. Uh, we can run all sorts of reports based on learner activities. So that's why we go with uh, the SCORM compliance for content production. We even have smart quiz. Um, so what we do is all our questions are actually coded to the chapter and module. So if someone completes a, um, a quiz, it actually tells them how many questions you got wrong from which chapter, from which module. So they can actually go back to learn with more focus to say, I got five questions wrong and you know, four of them is from chapter three of module two. So they can go back to review that specific chapter. So that's all of the data analytics um, backend. So basically you can use different apps nowadays to draw all kinds of data and how to analyze that data, right? How to build automation through that data. So we even have you know, automated reminders if students didn't do the quizzes well for government um, exam prep course, then the system sends out notification to say, hey, you didn't do well with certain quizzes before attempting the exam, you should go back to review certain chapters. So it's really, it's more about the system working for the students versus the students trying to figure out you know, which, which areas are my weakness or strength, the system should be able to tell them that. And then for government compliance and um, accountability is, you know, for corporate training, you need, to, you need to show to the department manager, right, how well your team actually did, how, how much time they actually spent on learning, right, because it also comes down to training time and cost. When it's online training, someone says it's a 20-hour course, but, you know, 20-hour course could be for someone that finishes in 10 hours, could be for someone that finishes with 30 hours, everyone has different learning curve, right? Oh, that's handy. Uh, one of the things here Denny put in is kind of a benchmark and it's how many people are the percentage of people who actually register when it's a free webinar. And um, I know some of the stuff that we've done, it's typically you lose about 20% of people. You know, so you versus. have pretty good, yeah, you have pretty good attendance rate, uh, I guess, because TechConnects is also a paid membership. So yeah. people definitely want to take advantage when it's a paid membership. Uh, from uh, some of the organizations we run that they put out free webinars open to all, um, that attendance rate we've seen is usually between 40 and 50%. And we're talking wow. about on the, on the professional level. 
right? Uh, there are kinds of public level, you know, right now online learning and webinar is really the norm now. So you see so many people putting out, you know, free webinars, how to, how to do online course, right? How to earn passive income. There's so many different webinars out there. Typically for those ones, that's really free for all. Um, they're actually around 20 to 30% attendance rate. That's, that's already a pretty good rate. Mm -hmm. Uh, Peter had a question. Yes, uh, I attended the uh, uh, convention Rotary, which was a virtual convention, and it was on Zoom, and they had over 5,000 for their opening ceremony. And then they had breakout sessions, and it was the breakout sessions that were really valuable because we got down to smaller groups of 10. But one of the challenges, I think, was that we were unable to copy the uh, chat comments. Mm -hmm. That's a function that needs to be enabled by uh, the person hosting it. So I know as a host, uh, we can we save the chat. So when we run the reports, everything is saved in chat. Um, but generally speaking for webinars, this is also why we don't recommend um, using meeting because if you run webinars, people don't use chat, they use Q&A and uh, all the questions are posted. So that way it's already saved on the back end of Zoom. So you don't have to worry about saving it uh, separately. So, uh, and the thing also with running webinars is people ask, what about copyright, right? If I run webinar, uh, if it's a paid service and I don't want it to leak anywhere else, how do I do that? You know, at the end of the day, there's no 100% way of doing that because there's so many different types of screen capture software. People can use their phone, you know, to basically record through video if they choose to. So any moment you run webinar, just keep in mind, there's no basically bulletproof security or safety of, of any data. You can do uh, the best you can to protect it. Um, but if you really want a bulletproof security type, then, um, you know, you have to look into alternative options, then Zoom definitely isn't the option. Thank you. Um, some, I, I know actually some conferences have moved to a virtual. So um, usually it's a mixture of different types. So I, I also um, are familiar with companies who do basically live broadcast. Right, and it's also one of the normal services now, especially for you know virtual events, um, or even for large type of broadcast events. So that's a different game because um, what happens is um, if you have a larger event or if you have breakout rooms. So if you really look at you know a conference virtually speaking, so you need to have different virtual rooms that are also hosted for different uh, breakout sessions. So it's rarely just one, you know, continuous long meeting. It's usually different, several different, um, uh, different rooms or different combination of features that's got put together. Okay, anybody else have any questions? Okay, well, we're just past 9.30 here. So we will, uh, we will get ourselves wrapped up, but uh, thank you to everybody that jumped on with us. A couple of things. We we obviously during the summer slow down anyways, but we will have a few things running. I know I've been talking to some people who are going to start to um, run some sessions. So we'll get those posted and sent out. And going forward as well, so for any of our members that are on the call, 
come September, you'll actually have to um, log in in order to register for any of our, our sessions because we're, we're just trying to change things, especially we know that we most likely will be online because the facility that we use as well. So far, they're uh, minimizing everything to about five people per room. So we probably will still be in online, say September, October, we have no idea, maybe through to 2021. So we will be changing things. So if anybody has any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to Ryan or myself. And uh, we look forward to seeing everybody online soon. Have a fantastic day and we will, we will chat with you later. Take care. Thanks everyone. Thank you, Giffy. That was a great session. Thank you.